Our scripture reading this morning comes from Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. If you have a Bible, we would love for you to follow along with us. And if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. So you can grab one in the vestibule. Feel free to just help yourself on the way out. Again, our reading this morning is from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. Well, again, good morning and welcome to the Latha campus of Christ Community Church. It's good to be with you uh, today. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and as we begin our, our time together, before we open God's word, I want to do something just a little bit uh, differently uh, together. Um, instead of me uh, praying for us, uh, I, want, I want you to pray. Um, quietly uh, with me. And so let's, let's bow our heads um, together. Um, and would you silently ask God to speak to you, uh, to you personally and intimately through his word and by his spirit? What do you need to hear from him this morning? Let's, let's pray. Father, speak to me. And now would you, would you pray for the people sitting close closest to you, and for all of us in this room, that we would hear from God exactly what we need this morning. Let's pray. Father, speak to us. Holy Spirit, we long to hear from you. May we know your presence, feel your love, and hear your voice. Make us yours, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could take a pill that would help you live longer with more joy and a greater sense of purpose, would you do it? Or if you, could, if you could add just one thing into your weekly schedule that would help your Mondays be happier, healthier, and more productive, would you commit to it? Take a look, take a look at this study uh, recently published a couple years ago with National Geographic uh, by an organization called Blue Zones. It's a fascinating study, and so what, what they did essentially is that they went to uh, communities across the globe that have the highest longevity and sort of studied, like, what do, what do these people all across the country or all across the world, what do they have in common? What habits do they engage in that has led them to live longer than, than everybody else? You following me? Okay. And so they came up with, like, these nine habits, um, and some of them you, you would expect, Okay, so people who live longest, uh, for example, they move naturally. Okay, so they're, they're pretty active people. Okay, that's, all right, fine. Um, they, they also, they live by an 80% rule, which means they stop eating when they're 80% full. Ugh. Um, 
They, they have a plant slant, okay? So they eat more plants, fruits and vegetables, uh, nuts, grains, that kind of thing than they do uh, of meat, okay? So, I mean, at, at this point, it's like, well, good for them, right? Um, he, listen, though, here's one. This one, you might perk up a little bit more. Uh, they have wine at five. They end their day with a glass of wine. Some of you are like, now I'm listening. Interesting. <laughs> Tell me more about this, uh, this habit uh, that makes me live longer, right? Uh, okay, so, I mean, those are the first four. But maybe, like, but who cares? Like, what does it have to do with anything that we're doing uh, here this morning? Well, it's the, it's the next five that surprise me. It shouldn't because this is, this is what we do here together every week, but to, to see it actually lived out, listen to this, people who live longest, number five, they know how to downshift. And so examples that they give are people who take time to reflect, to pray, to have solitude, to find rest. I mean, if you're here two weeks ago, we talked about the yoke, that this is, this is what Jesus invites us into, right? Um, number six, they put loved ones first. They place a high value on family. Number seven, they, they live with purpose. They know why they're alive and they believe that their Mondays matter. Like this, this one alone can add seven years to your life, living with purpose. Number eight, they're part of what they call the right tribe, meaning they belong to a community that reinforces healthy behaviors. Health and happiness, they write, are contagious. We pick those things up from one another. And then this, this last one, number nine, I love this, they belong. 98% of the people they interviewed, all of them 100 or older, 98% of them belong to a faith-based community. In fact, they write, research shows that attending faith-based services four times a month, that's pretty regular, right? will add four to 14 years to your life expectancy. Wow, right? I mean, isn't that wild? And if you like follow those, like this whole study, like five of the nine are, are stuff that we do here together every Sunday. And then you add to this, there's other studies that have, have you know, been part of this and looked into, like Harvard had one a couple years ago as well that said not only are those who attend church regularly, not only are they physically healthier, they're also emotionally and mentally healthier. In fact, USA Today referred to church as the miracle drug. This is just two years ago, right? Isn't that wild? And I, and I realize, I mean, some of you might be thinking, okay, um, kind of preaching to the choir here. I get that. You are here after all, although I know some of you don't want to be. Um, I can actually already see it in some of your faces. Sorry about that. I get it. Okay, you're here anyway, so you got to put up with it. Um, I understand that, but even, even if you believe in this thing, this gathering, like it's just getting harder, isn't it? Like we are, we are busier than we've ever been. More and more competes for our time. We've got sports and we've got homework and just like to sleep in occasionally, right? Or get stuff done. Like there's so much crowding us in where, where some Christians have abandoned church altogether. Uh, and even if you haven't, and I, again, you're here, I get that. Um, for many of us, it's become just one more thing and a long list of opportunities to fill our really busy weekends with. 
Like, let me even just ask, outside of the habit, why are you here? Because Sunday matters, right? I know, you expect me to say that, so I'll, I mean, I'll get, I'll get there. Hopefully, hopefully you're following along. Don't give up on me yet. But maybe you're thinking as well, like, but wait a second, Nathan, okay, so Sunday matters, fine, but I thought we were talking about church for Monday, right? Like, we're talking about Monday and, and how my Monday matters. Why are we talking about Sunday again? Well, I get that, and um, let me just say, yes, we are. If you're new this morning, we're in this series called The Church for Monday. And this is really important to us, that we believe our mission as a church is not simply to provide a nice service here on Sunday mornings. It's not just about today. It's about getting you ready for tomorrow. That's core to who we are. And so we've been studying through these passages, looking at these seven marks to help us, right? That our, our job description is to help, as a church, our job description is to help you grow in these, in these seven areas. And so we've, we've talked about these, right? If you want to be ready for money, you need, to, you need to take up your cross, right? Giving everything to Jesus. You need to put on the yoke, pursuing intimacy with God through spiritual disciplines. You need to build your life on the Bible, seeing everything in your life, in my life, as, as part of God's story, and then number four, loves the church. Prioritizing the family of God. And if you take just one thing with you this morning, I hope it's this. Your Monday needs a good Sunday. Your Monday needs a good Sunday. And you need it every week. So go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 10, if you haven't already. Uh, Hebrews, it's, it's, you know, very close to the end of your Bibles. It's kind of, kind of tricky to find. You might just go to the table of contents, but Hebrews chapter 10. And, and there, there's a lot happening in this passage if you listened as Lindsay read it for us. Uh, but the, the punch comes when the author tells the church, don't neglect meeting together. And what's so interesting to me is like, it was a temptation then, just like it's a temptation now. In fact, by our estimates, with the records that we keep, um, about half of you here right now are only here about half of the time or less. You following that? So if we were to cut this room in half, like we'll say this half, once, once or twice a month at best. And this half, maybe a little bit, three or four times a month, right? And I don't, I don't say that, sorry guys, um, I, don't, I don't say that to like make anybody feel guilty. Like I get that. Everything is, is crowding in our time. I fully, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, and yet, we don't think it's enough. I mean, according to the studies that are done outside of the church, right, it doesn't seem like it's enough and it's certainly not enough according to God's word. Not if you want to live a better Monday. But why? Why does my Monday need a good Sunday? Well, Hebrews tells us, um, there's three, three things there, and I hope you don't take my word from this. I realize, like, I'm a pastor, like, of course, like, you just expect me to, I mean, I, I, I get that, but let's, let's center ourselves on God's word. What has he said to us? Three things here about why we need a good Sunday. First of all, you need Sunday, I need Sunday, because your Monday needs acceptance. 
Your Monday needs acceptance. The reality is, and I don't have to explain this to you, like you know, when you walk out of here, you walk into a world where at every turn it is demanded of you that you prove yourself. Prove that you're good enough, that your kids are smart enough, that you're a good enough basketball player, that you're good looking enough, that you're successful enough. Like everything around us demands that we prove ourselves. I mean, we have, uh, for, for example, what, what the former Surgeon General refers to as a lonely, loneliness epidemic. That we, we live today in a dehumanizing world where so much of our lives, there, there's so many things around us that push us apart, push us down, and push us into isolation. And shame. I mean, is there any... Is there any worse feeling than shame? Shame is always just an inch away. But not here. Now, I don't, I don't mean we've got this all figured out by any means. I mean, we bring with us to church all of those things because we're humans, right? And we're broken people. And so that's, that's the It's going to be messy when we're here, Right? The church, this church, is far from perfect, but it has been said that the church is one of the last places left on earth that that actually humanizes people. Where where shame actually begins to lose even just a tiny bit of its its power over us. Where where we can be known and loved. Where, Where Sunday is a place of acceptance not based on your performance. Not, not based on how much you serve or give or say the right things or know the right things, but where your acceptance comes based on what God has done for you. And I need that on Monday. Look again at the text, Hebrews chapter 10, beginning with verse 19. Again, this is all building to this, this command, keep meeting together, don't stop. Look, look what he says first. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I mean, what, what he's saying there is that because, because of Jesus, his blood shed for us, if you're, if you're with him, you've been given a true heart. That your, your conscience, whatever, whatever is on it, and I mean, isn't it crazy? Like, there, there are things 20 years old in my life or more that I still reflect back on and think, what were you thinking? Like, our, our conscience is continually plague us, and yet he says it has been sprinkled clean, that you are washed, and that Jesus is our great priest over the house of God. And, and then, I mean, that, so those are, that's what has happened to us, and because of that, he says, that when you approach God, don't miss this, like, that you do so not with fear, or, 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 or worry that he's going he's gonna to push you aside or dismiss you, Right? He says we do so with confidence. 
with our heads held high to enter the most holy places that you can draw near to God and therefore to one another with full assurance, nothing to fear, nothing to hide, nothing to prove that this, this is what God has done for you. And this community is the place that we get to taste that freedom. Imperfectly, certainly, because we're still broken people. But you and I, when we gather, we tell and retell that story over and over and over and over again. That your acceptance, your love, your identity, your, your dignity as a human is not based on anything you could possibly accomplish but what has, on what God has said and done for you. And the reality is, like, if that doesn't change your tomorrow, I mean, I don't know, what will? I mean, even just think about how badly we, we crave acceptance. Like, how much of your life is spent thinking about what others are thinking about you, uh, how they're processing you, of, of, of what their expectations are of you. I mean, how much of our life? And so what we've said as a culture, we know that. We know that we fail at meeting each other's expectations. So what we've said is, well, you just have to accept yourself, right? So we've said, well, do that. Nobody else is going to give it to you, so accept yourself. And like, I'm not, I'm not minimizing the value of that, but if it ends there, my goodness, I mean, we're like the kid who makes up the game with all the rules that revolve around him, right? It's like nobody wants to play that game. It's just, it doesn't work that way. It isn't ultimately satisfying. Like if you want acceptance, it has to come ultimately from outside of you. Somebody else, somebody greater than you, somebody of, of a higher value and worth than you has to say it to you. And the reality is there is a God who sees you, every bit of you, who knows you. And because of his son accepts you, loves you, pursues you, changes you. And this is the family that he has built. And you and I need it every week. I mean, tomorrow, when you walk through the halls of your middle school, you need the voice of Jesus still ringing in your ears. You are loved. Tomorrow, when when you're, again, agonizing over some difficult parenting situation, right? And nobody sees, right? Nobody thanks you for any of that. Like, you need the voice of Jesus still declaring over you, I see you, and I delight in you. When, when temptation rears its head, like, you, you need the echoes of a God who keeps saying to you over and over again, I have what you're looking for. I want to give you everything that you truly need. And we need to hear it from God and we need to feel it from each other and then take that confidence with you into Monday. Your Monday needs a good Sunday. We also need it because your Monday, my Monday needs hope. Oh man, doesn't it? Like I don't know what you're dealing with. I'm not just talking about work, but like everything in your life outside of these walls, man, it needs hope, doesn't it? I need hope that it matters, that God is real and that he cares. And we drift so easily. Look at verse, verse 23. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. 
And the reality is, like, we have to hold fast to hope because hope leaks. I, mean, I kind of imagine a little bit like a bucket that we carry around all the time with holes in it, which is super fun, right? Feels great. So when you get discouraged, it leaks. Uh, when, you, when you feel let down or lonely or afraid or depressed, it leaks. Like when you're just like distracted by anything else, right? It, it leaks or overwhelmed or ashamed or tempted, it, it leaks, right? It's constantly leak, leaking. And for me, when, when, my, when my bucket gets depleted, I have a few options. Um, one, of, one of my favorites is I overwork and I overworry, right? Because I want to manage my, my life, my, manage every, all the, I want to control it myself. And so, so I, I keep trying to, to fix it and I work out of my strength rather than his, which is ultimately defeating. Or I despair altogether and just say, well, I guess life is meant to have an empty bucket. That's fun. Um, or, and maybe more commonly, I just try to fill it with other things that I think are going to satisfy and never, never quite do. It's like I keep trying to plug the holes at the bottom, but they keep popping up over and over, and it's exhausting, and all week long, it just drips out. And in, in the yoke, right, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, we should be refilling our own buckets with prayer and solitude and reading our Bibles and resting. Like we have to do that work. All of us do. But the reality is I can only do so much on my own. And people, I need you to help fill me. I, I need to hear you singing songs when I don't feel like it. Sometimes I don't. When my heart's just not in, in it, but when I hear you around me, it, it helps. It, it, fills, it fills me up. Or, or, or when, I, when I see your faith in the midst of, of doubt or struggles, like the things that you're carrying with you, it reminds me that maybe I can carry mine. When I, when I see you believing that God still cares, right, I, I begin to believe again, right? And that, that's what we, we do together. We continually refill our hope with one another. And and when it's filled up, we can carry it back out on Monday. Believing that our Mondays matter, which can actually add seven years to your life, right? Believing that God sees, that he delights, and that we get to serve him in all things, and even, even hope in the midst of our suffering. But the reality is if you're not committed to a church regularly, weekly, I just don't be surprised when your bucket's dry because you're, you're trying to do it all yourself. And I mean, just, it's a, it's ex, not only is it exhausting, it's just, it doesn't work. And odds are you are not going to make it alone. Your Monday needs hope. And third, you need Sunday because your Monday needs you. Your Monday needs you, the best of you. Not the leftover version, right? The best of you. Now, this, this might surprise you a little bit because I think so often we think of church as, as what we get out of it, right? The things that I benefit from. Uh, but this, this third point is actually what the world gets out of you when you're tethered to a community. And your Monday, whatever that looks like for you, right? Your Monday needs you. And so look, look at verse Verse 24. Right? He keeps going, he says, and let us consider 
how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That this, that this is the place that we stir each other up. Encourage each other to what? To do what? Love and good works, right? And, and again, often we think of, well, like within these walls, right, we serve one another, we care for one another, we, we help each other when we're sick, and that, I mean, sure, that's, that's part of it, right? The people sitting around you need your love and good works. But does it stop there? No, of course not. Like, your neighbors need your love and good works. Like, your, your kids or your parents or your friends need it. Like, the, the people on the basketball team or at school need your love and good works. I mean, think about, think about your, your coworkers, your clients, the people that you serve. They need your love and good works. And not even just, like, sometimes we think good works. We put this in, like, some special category of, you know, feeding the poor. And that's all important. But, like, it's even just love and good work. They need your good work when you're at work. And the things that you do, and we, we want to stir you up. We want to help you see every day and every conversation and every hidden moment as an opportunity. Because your Monday needs you. It needs you really bad, doesn't it? You think about the brokenness in our world, the hurting that's around us. Like, man, it needs you. Okay, Nathan, fine, Sunday matters, right? And maybe, maybe, maybe I even need to be here on Sunday to have a better Monday, I get it. But maybe you're thinking like, yeah, but Nathan, I've been here. Like, I've been to church before. Like, really, is that, is that it? Well, first of all, hurtful, jeesh, um, man. And second, like, I just want, I want to say again, like, I mean, I get, like, I'm a pastor and you expect me to say these things. I understand that. But you, you also need to know that nobody, like, wrestles with these doubts or deals with, with these questions more than the people who work here. Because we, we practically live here, right? And we, we see our inadequacies. We know our failures at every, like, like I'm with you in saying, like, really? The church? Hey, sometimes, sometimes it helps me to think of, of Sunday a little bit like a meal. And I wish we were serving up steak every Sunday. Sometimes all we've got is PB&J. And occasionally, you just have to eat your broccoli, right? I mean, that's, just, that's kind of the reality, but you, you still have to eat. And we're, we're going we're gonna to mess up. We're going to disappoint you. I promise. But I want to I quickly suggest three things to help us. Because if we want to take God's word seriously and what, what Hebrews says to us, or I mean, let's at least try, okay? And so how do we get the most out of Sundays? Because maybe you're thinking, okay, I believe that this could be possible. It's maybe not been my experience, or maybe it has. But how do we get the most out of church for the good of our Mondays? Let me mention three things. First, big surprise here, show up, Right? Half of you attend, half of the time or less. It's just not enough. And maybe, maybe just something to do this year, maybe just keep track of how often you're here on Sundays. 
just to discern which, which, cat, which half are you in, right? Because it might be different than you expect, right? Because we get, we get so busy and we deal with so much, right? And I, I get all that. I know you're busy. But what do you think is going to do a better job preparing you for Monday? Sleeping in? I mean, I love sleeping in, okay? I get it. But sleeping in today is not going to help me tomorrow. It's not. Or, or getting stuff done? I mean, you think 90 minutes is going to clear your schedule for you? Like all of a sudden you're going to get caught up in that little bit? Of, really? Kids sports? Nah, I'm just meddling. Never mind. Forget I said that. <laughs> too far. Too far. Get it. I know, I, like, church can be boring. Like, I've been bored up here while preaching before, okay? <laughs> it's really fun, actually, when I'm, like, just yammering on, thinking, I don't, like, I don't even care anymore, right? It happens. Like, I know that sometimes, sometimes it gets bored, boring. I know, but, like, even what it is, nothing shapes us more than our habits. Nothing. The habits that, that you have in your daily and weekly life, nothing is going to end up shaping you more than those things. And I need the habit. Like, if I'm going to take God seriously, if I'm actually going to try to follow Jesus in my life, like, I need the weekly reminder of pushing pause on me trying to control the universe so that I can seek God together and seek one another. And at the very least, you'll live four to 14 years longer. I mean, just, just try this. Show up, show up every, every week for the next two months. Not most weeks. Every week. Just see if anything changes for you on Monday, if you do. Just try it. Second, go deeper. Go deeper. Church is only as good as the relationships that you build. I mean that. Like, it doesn't matter how good the preaching is or the music is or the kids' programming. All, that, all that's important, right? But church is only as good as the relationships that you build. And there's no shortcut in doing that. And we, when we talk about, about Sundays, it's not just this hour here, right? It's the community. It's surrounding yourself with people who know you, love you, and seek God together. That is what will change your life. And I know some of you don't have that. Whether, whether you're new here, or maybe it's just been really hard for you, and like we, we want to help. We understand the difficulties around that. We've experienced those ourselves. But for others of you, perhaps you, you've looked around and you said, wow, these... Some of these people really like each other here. And maybe, maybe you see that and you're like, I, I, want, I want that, so what's their secret? There's no secret. I mean, there, there really isn't. They, they're, it's hard work and time. That's how you do it, right? They're here every week. They serve together. They're in a community group. They initiate conversation. And again, we, we want to help you in this. I'm not, just, I'm not just saying this is all on you, right? We want, we want to help you and provide avenues for you to get that started. But if you want church to be all that it can be for you, you've got to go deeper in relationship, which means you have, to, you have to do the work of it. And that's more than Sunday mornings. Like you need a community group, a Bible study, a place of intentional connection with other humans, right? Serving together, like you, you have to go deeper. Let us help you on that. So that's the second thing, go deeper. And third, look wider. Third, look wider. If you want to get the most out of church, look wider because church is not about you. Wait, what? Ah, forget it, right? It's not about you. Um, and, and once we begin to think through that it's not about me, 
it frees you to think about what church can be for everybody else. Because um, maybe, maybe you're even thinking, well, I don't, I don't need all this. My Mondays are fine, right? Okay, maybe. I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I believe you. Um, but maybe you, maybe you say that, but the reality is, even if that is true, the people around you need you. Like, they need to hear you singing when I don't feel like it, right? They need to hear you living these things out when it's hard for them. Like, we, we need, the people around you need you, and we have to look wider than ourselves. In fact, our last three marks together, these next three sermons, are going to be about the church's engagement outside these walls, right? Our mission in, in the whole world, right? And this is, this is why, as a church, we multiply campuses, right? And, and provi- believe in providing homes for them. It's, it's why we serve and think everybody should serve. And it's why we give and give generously and think everybody should give. It's why, it's why we try to remember names here. Or at least work really hard to, right? And in fact, just a little story here. Like, occasionally... Occasionally, uh, other churches or leaders will just will ask us, and you know we do the same with them, of like, what what's what's church like at Christ Community? We want to learn from one another and, and all those kinds of things, and um, you know get better at it and and, and all that. And uh, I had somebody recently ask me, uh, seeing the growth, particularly here at the Olathe campus, I, what, what's what's Christ Community's church growth strategy? It's like, uh, what's your church growth strategy? Like, I. I don't know, right? I mean, we're just not, we're not, as a church, we're just not obsessed with strategy. We think it's important. We're just not obsessed with it. Uh, and so I kind of paused and I responded back and I said, well, you know, actually, can I instead respond with a keystone habit? A keystone habit is like, it's a habit that, that shapes all your other habits, right? It's the, it's the defining habit. Um, and I just kind of said, like, church Christian, we remember names. Like, I think that's a, at least a big part of it. That's, that's it, right? We remember names, because if we as a staff do that, then you'll do that, maybe. And if you do that, then, like, once you know somebody, it's hard, like, you, you're just, you're going to care more, right? You're going to pursue them more. You're going to find them on Sundays. You're going to bring them a meal when they're sick. You're going to invite others. You're going to encourage and, and serve. And, I mean, all, all of these kinds of, like, and when we do that, we're going to see people coming to Jesus. And we've seen that here. You see, we've got, we've got this little goal for our church. It shouldn't be too hard. A little, little tiny goal we've been kicking around. We want to be uh, the most hospitable place and the most hospitable people in the world. Just a little goal, right? I mean that. We, we think the church, by its very nature, should be that. But that's part of our heartbeat for Christ's community to be hospitable, to welcoming, encouraging, loving, the warmest, where anybody can, can be known and loved and encounter Jesus and be transformed by him. But that's something all of us have to take part in. So look wider. Smile. Talk to new people. You know? Come out of your, you know, out of your own inhibitions occasionally. It's harder, right? And I mean, some of you, I can even see you thinking this. How many of you have like mustered the courage to introduce yourself to somebody and you've said, hi, are you new here? And they're like, no, I've been here for seven years, right? It's awkward, right? It's harder, right? So maybe instead of asking, are you new here? Just ask how long they've been here, right? That's a little, that's a little easier, right? You can do that. And then remember their names. Yeah, oh, but I'm not good at names. Nobody's good at names. People tell, say that all the time. Like, well, have you met somebody who's good at names? Like, you have no idea uh, the hard work this staff team does behind the scenes to remember your names. It doesn't come naturally to us. We just, we work at it because we think it's worth it. In fact, a few months ago, 
Uh, the staff uh, showed up here, and there were a bunch of sticky notes on our, on our windows, a couple hundred of them, um, just little notes of, of encouragement. Um, that was fun going through and reading them, and I want to I read one of them in particular. The person said that I could. Um, here's what she writes. Thank you for knowing my name, even after I just barely started attending Christ Community. It's one of the things that helped keep me alive. And then she also likes my hiking pictures. So, <laughs> told you people like those. Read. It's one of the things that helped keep me alive. I mean, I could tell a similar story. When I first walked into Christ Community as a senior in high school, not sure what I believed or thought about life, dealing with my own junk, and on my second Sunday back, somebody remembered my name. I mean, that's a note I'm going to keep. And whenever I feel like, ah, we're just too big, we can't do this anymore, there's too many names, my brain hurts, I'm getting too old, or whatever excuse I make for myself, I'm going to pull that out and say, nope, it's worth it. Because it's not just a name that we get to do here as a people. It is acceptance and hope through Jesus, and that happens among his people that you and I get to give to another person acceptance to take with them on Monday. We get to give them hope in their daily lives when it often feels so hopeless. And in doing that, we get to give them to our world for love and good deeds, and they get to do the same for you. Our Mondays need a good Sunday. Don't you love God's church? I know you expect me to say that, but you know what surprises me is how much Jesus loves his church. Like this was his idea. And he died for her. He sent his Holy Spirit to empower her and he promises to one day come back and live with her with us to make us whole and new, his community, his people together. And in the meantime, empowered by him, we can live a better Monday. The beauty of, of what we do when we gather in this place is not about forming just tradition and habit, although it is that. We gather because there is hope to be found here in the death of Christ who suffered in our place, who absorbed and took upon our sin in full so that it would no longer define us or harm us ever again, that he defeated death and rose from the grave so that death itself would not be a reality for those who are in Christ Jesus. And for those of you who have this hope, we ask that you would continue to gather with us to be reminded of that hope and to be a source of hope for those who are here. For those who don't know this hope, we encourage you to come and speak with someone here, someone you came to church with or someone on staff. We would love to share this hope with you. We need Sunday so that yes, we might know this hope, but we might also bring this hope to a world that desperately needs it. So as we prepare to leave this place, equipped with the hope entering into our Monday life, hear these words from Jesus himself who gave us this promise to the church of Jesus Christ and how the world would know the truth. So brothers and sisters, a new commandment Jesus has given us that you love one another just as he has loved you. Therefore, you are to love one another. And the world will know you are my disciples by this, the way that you love one another. Go in peace. Have a great week. Amen.